On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hello, we're here. We're doing keep it post Emmy glow. I'm hungover. Whatever. Are you really? Hello, hello. What did you drink? A lot. Like I mean, like like were they like glamorous limoncello type things? There was some tequila too. Oh, all right. It was a fun Emmy's party night. The show, on the other hand. Um, Woo! I'm actually surprised people thought it was a disaster because I thought they moved through it. We'll get into it. Yes, we're going to dive into that and so much more today. Uh, we'll be talking about the Emmys, whether they're actually diverse or not. We'll be talking about the scuffle that two people got into before the Emmys. Scuffle, as the media um, is branding it. And that New York Magazine profile of Sunyi Previn and Woody Allen. We'll be right back. Hey, Keep It listeners. Last month, Crooked Media launched Vote Save America, a step-by-step guide to make sure everyone votes in the 2018 midterms. And this week, the website will launch for you to go and pledge your vote and get involved in campaigns going on in your community. Also, you'll get a confirmation email where you can check to see if you're registered to vote. Right now, these are the main things we want you to do. Please, God. Please, please. Guys, you have to. You vote must. Die, bitch. Please register to vote. I do so many unimportant things in my life. I go and I make, know. You know what I'm saying? And this is the one time I can do a thing that is important, which is so shocking coming from me. And as we get closer to the election, we'll be rolling out more tools to let you know what the big issues are in your state, who's on your ballot, where to vote, and how to make sure everyone else you know votes also. You can also join our Vote Save America Facebook group and follow the Vote Save America hashtag to see all the great work people have already been doing. Actually life-affirming things. Wow, people care. They care. Get involved with caring. Vote. That's how you stop the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) The girls are fighting. (laughs) We should just start every episode with that. Somebody somewhere is fighting. (laughs) Mark Burnett and Tom Arnold got into a fight before the Emmys. You know, these are my two favorite celebrities, so please be sensitive. First of all, who fights with Mark Burnett? Well, hold on. Do you know the back... I didn't know the backstory on this, which is that apparently Tom Arnold is making a show for Vice called, like, Where's the Trump Tapes or something like that, where he's looking for the Trump Tapes. Now... I would have thought it's the P-tape because do we really need uh, a tape of Trump saying nigger to know that he's racist? Like, we have we got it. We have a Trump of him saying grab her by the pussy. I don't know that, like, hearing this is really going to, like, drive it home for anyone. I but need he has more a proof. Whole, right, exactly. But apparently he has a whole TV show that's just about finding the tapes. Vice. I remember Vice seeing... really just spending money in curious ways there. <laughs> um, but so he, I guess he said that this weekend at the Emmys, he was going to go like hunting for Mark Burnett. Yeah, uh, because as we all know, Mark Burnett is the producer behind Survivor, The Amazing Race, um, the and also <laughs> The Apprentice, where Donald Trump 
is alleged to have said nigger a bunch of times <laughs> throughout the 1,700 seasons that that show was on. <laughs> um, and he won't release, the whole thing is like he won't release the tapes. People think that he's like protecting Trump. <laughs> and I mean, do we, is it that serious, Tom Arnold? That you, he, he yanked off Mark Burnett. Well, no, they, yeah. Chain. So that's the thing. Like, it, it's not clear who initiated the quote unquote scuffle. I will say, usually, victims don't flee the scene the way Mark Burnett did. Right. But I don't know. Also, I mean, like, the way the story was told, Tom Arnold said he was just choked. I mean, like, under certain circumstances, <laughs> if you meet Tom Arnold, I mean, do I choke him first? I don't know. I don't really know that much about Tom Arnold. Rose However, used to choke Tom Arnold all the time. No, exactly. <laughs> then this other weird thing happened where Roma Downey, who was married to uh, uh, Mark Burnett, was like, injured in the fight and like posted damage i have a google alert for roma downey melee so that came up (laughs) on my feed also roma downey is one of the 50 people that trump follows on twitter or something like that so that's sort of interesting what a little wrinkle she's behind it all i know she's she's the real melania can i also say that unlike the cardi nikki fight where someone had the wherewithal to whip out their phone and get us video footage we don't have any footage no. of this scuffle let alone multiple perspectives Most of, we had different <laughs> we had coverage for the nikki <laughs> for the nikki cardi fight and we're just having to believe tom arnold and mark burnett and pat oswald see this is the difference before they were talking on social media about how Cardi and Nikki should conduct themselves in front of white people. But I think that the problem with white people is they don't have their phones out. <laughs> um, they don't feel it, it's important to document two celebrities fighting with each other. I prefer the black people. Well, see, I wonder, like, <laughs> would we get less sort of shit for it if we just didn't record it? Because now people can say whatever they want. Like, if we had only heard secondhand accounts about Cardi and Nikki, you, it might not be, you know, like, it might not look as bad. Right. It would just be a rumor. It'd just be a rumor. That's how the, the white people know what's up, though, with that. Because now no one, you don't have the footage of, like, Mark Burnett's crucifix being being flung from his neck <laughs> no wait here's my question when in the cardi fight who got the picture of her with the knot on her head was that just like no, a, that was, was her that, walking out was that, yeah. was like, was that like a pap it was just a pap yeah. oh, okay okay so they actually just probably did it in front of more paparazzi no 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 no, no. they were someone recorded it they were like inside the party and someone smart who knew they knew the TMZ rates, and they pulled out their phone and right. recorded it, and then she just later walked out. The movie Nightcrawler, yes. Uh, right. Uploaded it to the TMZ app. Uh, <laughs> TMZ's like got Gossip that, Girl. They got that direct deposit two days uh, later. Actually, Ronan Farrell's Gossip Girl, to be honest. I'm just imagining um, Ronan and TMZ as dueling people that people are like, oh, who am I going to send this story to? Well, how moral am I? Do I want this to actually help people, or do I just want to, like, Make make ten thousand dollars. And now wait, now by the way, the story is Ronan Farrow allegedly has tapes that Tom Arnold has turned over to him. I by the mean, way, can I say something? Ronan Farrow, who Ira and I have both met a number of times, there are more than one journalist out here. Can we not inundate this man with every damn story? It's like I'm worried for him in a way. He walks into his office and there's just like a sea of things that he has to take care of. Right, like actual like Al Capone's actual vaults, <laughs> just like all these things. <laughs> The weirdest part about this fight was people like Pat Oswald, even Billy Eichner, taking photos with Tom Arnold 
after for Twitter <laughs> and being like, I'm with Tom. And Pat Oswalt's like, we got to protect this brutal angel. I'm like, this is nonsense. Why? <laughs> Why do you find this funny? Also, it's just, I'm sorry. If I hear Trump tape and it doesn't involve pee, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Honestly, though, even if we get the pee tape, I'm just going to say, it, I maybe have even said this before, it's one of the safer kinks. I'm sorry. I mean, it's almost kind of cool well, for him. <laughs> there's a missing element there. Yeah. <laughs> just FYI, everybody. Lewis. <laughs> this is the hill I'm dying what, on. Pee's cool. Where's Lewis's tape? Yeah. I know. <laughs> As Corinne looks over wondering if we should edit this out <laughs> for Lewis's sake. We Everyone in the not, booth is like, I didn't know I not, worked on a show like this. We will yeah. not be editing this out. <laughs> I want the world to know. Maybe it's because I'm suspicious of so many things, but part of me also has this feeling that the fight wasn't real and that it's part of Tom's show. It also doesn't sound like a fight. It sounds like two dudes pushing each other, which honestly, I see men do that at brunch. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. The gays are I know the men. <laughs> but yeah. also, like, it really, again, at the end, one, when you know that Tom Arnold was, like, kind of looking for a fight, I can't imagine Mark Burnett is super reasonable. They're outside a party. I assume someone was probably a little drunk. There's no footage. The tapes aren't that interesting. Like, come on. Also, I mean, did he really just run up to him and choke him? Because that's like a funny thing that only happens on like all my <laughs> children, right? <laughs> what a weird first move. Let's take a little break. And when we're back, we'll talk about the actual Emmy Awards. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Whoa. Good evening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 70th Primetime Emmy Awards. I'm Colin Jost. I'm Michael Che. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know... It is an honor to be here sharing this night with the many, many talented and creative people in Hollywood who haven't been caught yet. That's right. Colin Jost and Michael Che, co-head writers of Saturday Night Live, hosted the 70th annual Primetime Emmy Awards. Lucy and Ethel here. They hope to reverse the falling award show ratings curse. It didn't work. <laughs> Nobody watched the show. Well, again, they put it on, like, before Jeopardy, just, like, in the middle of a fucking Monday. Also, all of the television industry is in Los Angeles. So you know what people were doing at 5 o'clock? Making television. That's what I was doing. I was writing television at 5 o'clock, and I did not have time to sit in front of a television. It was a crazy decision to put it on a fucking Monday because of what football, as if those two audiences really overlap. I was getting a haircut. I was driving home. I had to steal a live stream. You know that I need award shows in order to live. You have so, to steal a live stream? Say, but, no, I'm going to have my methods. Anyway, the show kicked off not even with, <laughs> with them. <laughs> it was like the show said, we know y'all don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> so the show kicked off with like Kate McKinnon coming out. Keenan Thompson. And Keenan Thompson. Wait, so diversity is not a problem in Hollywood anymore? Nope, we solved it. Well, that is wonderful news. We solved it. Basically, we they outsourced the SNL cast uh, to perform. Plus my angel, Kristen Bell. I love oh, yeah. Kristen. She looked unbelievable also. That white gown. I know, she looked amazing. Um, best dress. Oh, yes. I, I say Joan London for, for Claritin a lot on the show, but she really looked like Joan London for Claritin. Also, Titus Burgess was in that, and I sometimes forget he's a... Seriously amazing singer. You are always making these references that I have no idea what you're oh talking about. Oh my god. Lewis, what is Clara did? Uh, my, you have to watch you have to watch television commercials from 1998, Wait, sweetie. Are we talking about the allergy medication? That's right. What's an allergy? I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, I will say this opening number gave these people room to shine, but it also seemed 
aimless and everybody I know seemed to not like it, which was unfortunate because I loved everybody in it. It's funny, they were like, oh, here are the diverse dancers and they came out and then they vanished for a bunch of white people to do things and it felt like I was watching La La Land all over again. I do have to say though, I kind of like the, what was it called, the one of every dancers? Like, yeah, like it was them. There was sort of a play on diversity that I thought was cute before, again, as all you said. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also like, then you had to, it was like they put it off as long as they could. And then yeah. we had to listen to Colin Joss and Michael Che, and they just could not have looked like they gave less of a shit. They looked so uninterested, not excited to be there. They just like they looked too, uncomfortable. They they just looked like they were like, ugh. Lauren made us do it. That's yeah. what it looked They're like. They're used to sitting behind the weekend update desk, throwing out some banter for you know five minutes but not really doing a whole show because, it was like why are we here well that's the thing neither of them i wouldn't think of either of them really as like strong performers like i think they're i mean look i don't watch snl but their head writers on snl i assume they're good at writing comedy but i've never been like wow what a magnetic screen presence that michael che what charm colin <laughs> jost has emitting from the screen so they were just like a super bizarre choice also by the way so they've been doing this for like four five years could it could they make it look like they've met before i mean <laughs> they truly like barely faced each other their chemistry is sort of like barely acknowledging the other it I don't was know. like <laughs> it was like they were doing their boring weekend update it was just like they were reading from the prompter and it was like just gotta get this joke out yeah and move on and the jokes were so strangely paced it felt really slow. Yeah, um, it was a little slow. I didn't think the jokes were terrible, but I also didn't think the jokes were specific to them in any way. It almost made you feel like anybody could host the Emmys because there was a certain, you know, like, liberal enough vibe to all yeah. of the jokes they said. That's what I mean about the weekend update likeness of it all. It didn't feel like, even when, like, James Franco and Anne Hathaway were a disaster <laughs> hosting the Oscars, it felt like James and Anne were hosting. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I was going to say, it, when I watched them, I it made me think of the subtle but very um, uh, uh, important difference between them and someone like Jimmy Kimmel, who it's like, they're both like kind of deadpan, kind of droll, but Jimmy Kimmel really does not make you feel bad that you're watching it or like th that he's above it or whatever he, and that he's into the entertainment, which is crucial. People want to like this stuff. Well, the know? other thing is, you can't make a bunch of satirical diversity jokes and then proceed to give only white people awards for the next hour. And it's like, you know, I, the thing is this Emmys, I think they had the most diverse group of nominees in the history of the Emmys. Um, and I mean, it's hard, obviously, like you don't know the outcome of award show. You're not certain that Tracy Ellis Ross is going to win an award because had more people of color, you know, you don't, you hope Sandra O's going to win, but had more people of color actually won awards, those sort of jokes might have been a little well more well received. But when it's just like, oh, white people again. But those diversity jokes, so they know there's a problem. <laughs> okay. Like, it's there's nothing satisfying about it's that. It's particularly interesting because at least when there's a diverse Oscars, you know that potentially that means that a bunch of people of color are going to win awards because the Oscars, by their name, yes. Unless they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, the Oscars, by their nature, because new movies come out every year, 
you get a new crop of nominees every year for the most part mm-hmm. and except for you know like the people who are standards like a Merrill or something but the Emmys are this beast where the same people will get nominated for a bunch of years in a row and the Emmy voters are lazy I mean why did Peter Dinklage get an award <laughs> Tyrion was was barely in Game of Thrones last season. I was going to say that the series win for that was, I thought, the most surprising. Yes, it's stuff like that. It's stuff like when Modern Family used to win all the time or uh, when Big Bang Theory um, used to win things. It's just like the Emmy voters have their traditions and it's like this is what they watch and this is who they tend to reward every year. So it's not like, oh, here's a bunch of new things. We have to go and watch all these things. Some people, I'm sure, probably barely even watch these shows. They're like, I watch this show. I know this person's good. There's also not, like, unlike the Oscars, you have all those award shows in the lead up. So, like, you go into the Oscars kind of having a solid, like, a solid enough of an idea that, like, this person is probably going to win. Yeah. It's more likely. Rarely is it, like, a total shock because, like, you know, you look at the awards they've been winning all award season. So I think, like, I could go into a year when, um, you know, Moonlight is nominated and make diversity jokes because we're like, they're probably going to win something because they've been winning all Mm -hmm. season. But with the Emmys, it's like, you have no idea what's about to happen, guys. Because they come months before the Golden Globes, too. Yeah, Yeah. There's really no Emmys award season. No, and uh, I would say you never get through an Emmys without being surprised a couple of times. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, what were, like, your surprises? Because I thought that, listen, I am sure The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel (laughs) I knew this is what you were going to come up first. is a lovely show. I will say, I think my my biggest bone to pick with all of, like, the outcomes of the awards is I think this shit of, like, one-hour comedies, I do not like that. This half-hour drama shit, I think it's unfair to make shows compete against other shows when they're not all trying to do the same thing. I think there's a very big difference between having to make a 22 episode of television for network and getting 45 minutes to do comedy. Um, It's just, you know, if you told a network television writer, you're going to get a full 30 minutes, no commercials. Like that's a different, that's a different situation. That's a different skill. And I think it, it probably is more beneficial to them. So when I found out that the show was an hour, it's like, I mean, I'm sure it's great. I, by all accounts of all of the um, Marvelous people ben who tell Maisel. me that it is. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, that's not really fair. It's also like a big change from, say, the Emmys 25 years ago. If you looked at like the major comedy ca- uh, categories, you'd have shows like Cheers and Seinfeld and like Home Improvement competing, which like, those are all shows, they're not just multicam, they kind of have similar characters. They're going for the same types of laughs. The payoff of the humor is the same. Whereas now, comparing just comedy categories alone, it's like Insecure is nothing like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is nothing like Mom. And it's, here's the thing. A show like the Grammys, I feel like everybody has too many Grammys. I I don't kind of want I have the 12. Emmys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you sure don't. I don't want the <laughs> Emmys to expand that much. Um, in case everyone didn't know, by the way, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel basically swept the comedy categories with the exception of Henry Winkler and Bill Hader winning um, Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series Awards. But Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I believe, won every other comedy award. Yeah, actress, supporting actress. Yep. Yeah, but there should be a dramedy category. And I think you have a show like Master of None. I would even honestly, like Atlanta, which I love, is not really going for jokes in the same way that like an Insecure is in the way that a Silicon Valley is. Um, I think Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think Transparent, I think Orange is the New Black. You have a bunch of shows that are not 
hard dramedies, not hard comedies. And I think when you have people, you know, it should be Silicon Valley, Veep, and Blackish up against each other. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's that's the competition you want to see of like who just wrote the best jokes, who was funniest. And that's not what the other shows are going for. And here's my thing: I really actually love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, Me too. I, I, love I, her too. I, 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 <laughs> she's great. Her dress was amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Brosnahan. Yeah. I love shopping with her. Uh, Angela Bassett was like, "What is this name?" I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> Who looked, by the way, glorious? Oh my god! She's like a lightning bolt as her, a person. Her, her, and, her and Kristen Bell. That look woman gorgeous. is twice my age, and dear lord, she looks incredible. You saw that viral video of Angela Bassett talking about her, oh, her workout plan. Yeah, she right? doesn't need anything. She eats like almonds and, and she's, lean salmon. She's like Monday, Tuesday. Fruits and vegetables. Uh, no Wednesday. dairy. Lean, lean proteins. <laughs> some chia seeds. Maybe a little <laughs> almond milk. A little almond butter. No dairy. Like no bread. No only bre- Ezekiel bread, bread from the sprout. Which is a sprouted grain bread. Yeah. Um, I have the protein later in the week, so I could do a high intensity workout. I do weight lifting. And that's the uh, other thing. You hire a trainer because I know if I pay for him, I'm going to make sure that I show up. And if I don't pay for him, I'm going to go to the gym. So then I know I'm going to the gym every day. I so. meditate. I don't do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> she ended it with I don't do yoga. <laughs> No, oh. she makes she might be the greatest junket interviewee of all time. Like maybe she'll give you nothing or everything. <laughs> Even though I really like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I love Alex Borstein. Uh, oh, yeah. She's so good in that show. Um, I definitely agree that this is part of the problem why networks also don't want the Emmys really on their network anymore. The Emmys, you know, want this long contract and it's like if the ratings drop you know, they want to be able to negotiate differently for having it on air. NBC would like to do that. It's also in part just because networks aren't winning Emmy Awards anymore. It's cable and streaming that are winning. And it's in large part because Amazon gets to do this. Amazon gets to, like, make these long-ass dramas and make some light jokes in them and then be like, this is a comedy. Yes, I was also going to say, watching the acting categories, this sort of goes back to what I was saying before, it is just so weird to compare these performances now. Like, in, in, in a way, it is, it's fair to me. It would have been fair to me if anybody had won in most of these shows because the shows are so not comparable in, in these categories. Like, Bill Hader. Well, who are your favorite winners, though? I would say my favorite winner is, well, Henry Winkler. Yes. Because, I mean, it was such was a long so time coming. I so happy for Henry Winkler. Yes. And that's he's really good in Barry also. Yes. He's yeah. very, he's he's the funniest person in Barry also. Definitely. And also, like, his humor is the most kind of shocking on that show, too. And that's but he's obviously too. a legend. And also, he was illiterate until the age of 31. Did you know that? And he went to Yale Drama. How about that? He talks about it a lot. He had, like, severe dyslexia growing up. Yeah. I know the Fonz. Okay, well. And then they, he took a picture with Ron Howard, and that went That was very viral. nice. Very cute. I was very happy to see all of the non-white people who won. So, Sandy <laughs> Newton, Regina <laughs> King, um, and RuPaul, I think. Was was there anyone else? Sandy By the way, looked hella shocked that she, she won. She looked shocked. She looked unbelievable and very surprised. By the way, I, I is do. that the first time that anyone's ever just declared themselves an atheist as they were winning? Oh, Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about God, but, uh, but she also said, I want to fake She her. said something like, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to talk about her tonight or something yeah. like that. That was cute. That was um, cute. 
By the no. way, Regina King was very shocked. Also to win. very shocked. That was her third win, though. So let's. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, because she won twice for American Crime. But I think that Regina King was shocked that she just won for the sure seven Netflix seconds because Netflix canceled it. And Our girl also, v- Venus Sued. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, and Venus Sued was on the show talking about it, and it just hasn't been getting you know, really any buzz after it dropped. But then again, that goes to what Kara said. There's not really an Emmy award season. For the Oscars, they drop most of those movies in November and December, and it's like, this is time to go see it. And for the Emmys, it could be like, this show aired a year ago. I was obviously... Rooting for Sandra O, oh, who deserves, I mean, truly, truly deserves multiple Emmys for Grey's Anatomy. But I love Claire she, Foy she was, so much. I love Claire Foy, too. And Claire Foy is the only person who I was, I would have been able to live with winning that award other than Sandra O. Oh. But she is so unbelievable. She was the, I mean, Sandra O oh was the first, I think, Asian person to ever be nominated in the acting category at the Oscars. Lead in, acting. Lead acting in the year 2018, which is ridiculous and embarrassing for everyone involved. The T is she was nominated a bunch of other times for her supporting work on Grey's Anatomy, and she should have won for those scenes because here's the thing Killing Eve is not good. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, no. I'm, I'm no, sorry. No. It's, it's no. not good. It's a silly show that she and strong disagree. Jodie Comer. She and Jodie Comer hold up, but I th- think it completely falls apart in the end. I would describe I it as a fun all. show, but you're right. It, it didn't like people were upset it didn't get a series nomination. I'm like, I'm actually fine with that. I mean, like they are fabulous. You it should have been a movie. Yeah. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I. I just finished watching. The funny thing about the Emmys, too, is like it does. I feel like I saw an article about this where there's now so much television. And so it's so much about like kind of who you are and who you interact with, like the television that you perceive to be like the best and very popular because there's just so much happening. And so for me, like I'm watching it and like I think American Vandal was the best thing made on television in the year of 2017. I think it was so fucking funny. Nothing was funnier than that show. It was nominated in the limited series writing category and it lost to Black Mirror. I think that BoJack Horseman is honestly the best show on television right now. Um, Its new season just came out and it was like nothing is as good as this. But that's also like very much my sense of humor. It's very much just like the world that I live in and what I'm interested in. And like I don't think at any other time you've been able to so clearly mark the type of television that you want to watch and that there's so much for you to choose from. Um, So it makes the Emmys for me a little like it's exciting and I'm happy for the people that won and all of that. But it's sort of it doesn't it doesn't say as much to me about like the important television moving the culture right now in the way that like the Oscars might. If anything, the way the Oscars wanted to add that popular film category, which I thought was asinine, the Emmys probably needs one because the people who (laughs) they want to watch the Emmys and give it ratings in middle America are watching shows on CBS Mm -hmm. and like, you know, NBC sitcoms. It's like, they want to see people from Mom on stage. They want to see people from The Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'll have Amazon. Right. Who the fuck are these people? Y five O best show. Where um, the Gilmore Girls? <laughs> now, uh, what you just said about viewerships being so splintered now. That's why I'm always uh, so surprised, and I guess thrilled when RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race end up winning big awards, and they finally just this year won the best reality show award. I mean, truly, it's sort of that feeling like. 
what if Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion took over the Grammys one year and instead it got nothing? You know what I mean? It really, I mean, RuPaul to me feels like a show that is important for me to watch, bonds me with like my friends. It feels like our thing still. And yet the Emmys have like realized how great it is, how important it is. And I, I find that just, very shocking. I think that's just you being insular. The largest audience that watches RuPaul's Drag Race is straight women. Or, and also, like, teen but girls and ga- stuff, but too. But only gays listen to Carly Rae Jepsen. But I'm just saying. It's so one that's of the, why she doesn't sell records. It's a show that's good enough that feels like it belongs to us while other people can still latch on to it. And so it's just so rad that people, you know. And also RuPaul's the best, so that works out. What do you think really needs to happen to make the Emmys sort of a cultural moment again? Or are we just going to have... The ratings keep dropping, and it's going to be streamed on Crackle. Well, I mean, they, they need the hosts were not it. This was not it this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think that that's the thing. Like, I I enjoy watching the Emmys. Like, there are a lot of winners that like I think are so deserving that I was so happy to see win, and, and shows that I really enjoy. But like, again, there's just so much television that there's no way that everything that I love I'm gonna see even nominated or acknowledged at the Emmys because there's just there's so much, and like that's just the reality of of the television industry right now. So I think for me, it's just like from the kind of quote unquote prestige shows that you know are going to get nominated it's like what amongst those am I excited to see not which of, which of my favorite shows right now on television is going to get nominated for an Emmy which of my favorite actors right now are going to get nominated because that's probably not going to happen but out of this kind of group that you know is going to get selected that you know is going to get honored who do I like most amongst them um, and so for me it's like that's that's how I have to look at it it's just me being angry for three hours because the good fight didn't get a single that is your brand these days. It's the best show on TV. It's so fucking good. I but Les Moonves hit it on CBS All Access because he wanted the women and Christine Baranski and <laughs> Delroy Lindo to be away from him. <laughs> but, Fuck him. Uh, you basically just alluded to this, Carob, and the Oscars. Uh, people have said the same thing about the Oscars. But truly, a lot of these telecasts do live and die based on who the hosts are. Again, it's like there are people you can book that everyone is, or everyone in middle America, I'll say, is obsessed with. When Ellen hosts the Oscars, the Oscars have huge ratings. You know, I think people tune in to see like an actual comedy show more than they go to see an awards turnout, honestly. Pay The Rock a bunch of money to just Why stand there. Why has The Rock not hosted an awards show? What is wrong with every producer of an awards show on television? That man is so goddamn charismatic. He is great to look at no matter who you are. He looks excellent in a tux. He has a he beautiful smile. It. He's so nice he gets, to Moana. I mean, it just, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening here. I don't understand the room of people deciding this. Where you have the option of The Rock, and you go with Michael Che and and Scarlett Johansson's boyfriend. It's Lorne Michael. So <laughs> next year, Vanessa Bayer. I'm kidding. She's Nothing a woman. Wrong about She's that. She's a woman. I love Vanessa Bayer. I love Vanessa Bayer too. It's just a joke, Lewis. All right. Well, I'm tearing up. When we're back, we're going to dive into this New York Magazine profile of Suni Previn. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. 
for the love of home. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. After decades of silence since marrying Woody Allen in 1997, Soon Yi Previn finally speaks on her childhood from the streets of Seoul, Korea, to being adopted by actress Mia Farrow, who had a long-term relationship with Allen. In the profile, Soon Yi alleges numerous incidents of verbal and physical abuse by Farrow and details of her teenage relationship with Woody Allen. The profile seemed like it was supposed to dismiss Dylan Farrow's decades-long sexual abuse allegations against Woody Allen, um, but it pretty much fell flat. Also, it was written by a friend of Sunyi Previn and Woody Allen, Daphne Merkin. And here's the thing. When I first heard this article was dropping, because it was like hyped a little bit, the headline to me suggested, oh, Sunyi is writing it herself. Yeah. Then it became this other thing where it's just, they may as well have paid for this to be written. I mean, the craziest thing. And like New York Magazine and Vulture, they are like legitimate media organizations. And to have a friend of the subject write a profile of them is ridiculous. It's so it, it's so unethical. It doesn't make any sense for any standard practices of journalism. I cannot believe that they allowed that to move forward under the guise of it being an actual piece of journalism. Like she like the author admitted in the story that she was friends with him, but like that's crazy. Like when I when I get pitches for example to write certain articles like it's one of the first things they fucking ask is if you have any relation to this person and if you if if you've even like been friendly with them if I've been casually you know if I've had like a casual social interaction with someone for for a certain period of time it kind of disqualifies you from being able to profile them and write about them what is this Adam's rib you know (laughs) going up against your spouse whoa are you me that's a Catherine Hepburn Spencer Tracy movie for everybody at home I can't believe I get to say that on Keep It it's almost like the author of the piece was hoping to um, make everything okay by acknowledging her friendship, but it was just, that made it even more awkward. The weirdness jumped out. She's like, I myself have been friends with Alan for over four decades and have always been somewhat mystified by him, in part because of the almost Aspergian aloneness of the man, in part and in part because of the genuine diffidence, the lack of a discernible ego. Bitch, have you lost your mind? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have an ego. Wild, wild. This man who puts himself into his movies so he can mack on 15-year-old girls. Also, excuse me, if you watch the movie Stardust Memories, he is with Charlotte Rampling in that movie, who is like, you know, another Lauren Bacall-looking person. When you see that man kiss Charlotte Rampling... You just want to hide under a table. And there's a table right here that I might just get under. I love Charlotte And not Rampling. come out. It was great in the Jonah Hill movie, The Sitter. <laughs> the other thing that was became very obvious was like, okay, so you're reading this. It, Sunni didn't write it. Like, I think we all maybe thought she did. So you have this person writing it. So it's like, what's the angle here? Because obviously this is going to be a, um, a complimentary picture of the two of them if their fucking friend is writing it and so as I was reading I was like what's the angle what's the angle and you realize that they're like oh we're going to say that Mia Farrow was a bad mom 
because that somehow has anything at all to do with Woody Allen allegedly a mess, uh, molesting his daughter. Like, that they thought that that was something that legitimately was, like, a, uh, you know, a legitimate argument you could come back with. Because that's what they thought. They spent so much time um, with Soon Yi talking about her difficult relationship with Mia Farrow. And even if every word of what she said is correct, that doesn't have shit to do with what Woody Allen did. Totally. Yes. Uh, There were so many people who were actually annoying me with texts saying that, don't you think that Soon Yi deserves to tell her story? I'm like, of course Soon Yi gets to tell her story, but to position it in a way as to be like, this is part of Dylan's story is ludicrous. And also, the profile did not get any sort of, you know, quotes or background for the piece that could allegedly refute things that are plain fabrications as Ronan and Dylan claimed in their responses. Right. to the story. So it's basically just bad journalism all around, and it's the photos of her and Woody is just like, it's this puff piece. Yeah, yeah. It, no. it, it felt like those weird white nationalist pieces where it's like, oh, here are the, you know, the dapper um, people of the alt-right. It was just like, who is this for? And also a part of me wonders, like, is this coming out now because – now Woody Allen's movies are getting shelved. You know what I mean? Now they're of not. Of course. You know, so it's like it's coming that's out now bizarre. because all of these men are deciding that they've had enough of this Me Too business, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I need something to put me back on the national stage." So of course, here's a profile that can be sympathetic to me. Diane Keaton probably printed out twenty copies. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know what we're supposed to take from this because I think at this point, like the soon ye of it remains gross and predatory and and bad. But I think we're all kind of like, I guess she was a consenting adult, as she says. It's sort of like, we all feel icky about it, but like, it's not really any of our business at this point. Like, I think the thing that people are really pointing to with Woody Allen is that he possibly molested his child. Um, and so for it to be so, like the soon he of it doesn't really have anything to do with, I think, the, the, the issues that we're talking about now when we're talking about these men being sexual predators so that was the other thing I was like I mean she does deserve to tell her story but I'm not sure what this story has to do with what we're talking about when we talk about Woody Allen now also this story I mean I can't think of anything else like this it comes from that era of like early 90s tabloidy journalism where you like you know two sides are fighting and like you can't you know there's like candid pictures of me and candid pictures of Woody and it's this unresolved story that I guess is just going to keep carrying over and my takeaway from the new piece that was just published is that we're never going to actually know what happened there's no like it's not like clue they don't reveal the solution at the end and you find out what happened so it's just like a part of me needs to like get away from the story but there was a weird tap dancing singing telegram in the middle of the profile and i was <laughs> played, like what is happening played by jane wheatland of the go-go's <laughs> uh can i talk about the weirdest part of this profile for me another attack on mia farrow's character that came out of left field daphne merkin says I took this opportunity to ask about the rumor, not discouraged right. by Mia, that Ronan is Frank Sinatra's son. Oh, God. And Woody Allen's like, I think he is, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. You know, she represented herself as a faithful person, but if she became pregnant in an affair, dot, 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 
I'm like, what is this? That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> right. It's just you throwing out salacious rumors so you can be like, here's some scandalous stuff about that side of the family. I mean, it's like, that's not what we're here for. It's really <laughs> telling that the approach that they took with this was to attack Mia Farrow, was, you know, to focus on the fact that Woody Allen and Soon-Yi have been married for 20-something years and they love each other and they have a family. Like, if that's where you're going with this, you clearly don't have shit to say about the things that everyone is actually talking about. Right. New York Magazine is pressed that they haven't been getting those Ronin scoops. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to throw in my personal asides when I do journalistic stories like this, too. I took this opportunity to ask Judy Davis, a total bitch on the set of Husbands and Wives, tell me. (laughs) I've always wondered. What is she and her brown lipstick up to? So I think the story is we're just... I'm still not going to watch this man's movies. I'm sorry. It's like totally tarnished for me. I'm done. I did at one point be like, uh, you know, he is somebody who introduced a lot of film audiences to like great actresses. Obviously, I'm an actress based human being, but uh, still no. It's a no on me. Not watching his movies. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where it's like you stop watching or listening to certain things because of the things that these people have done. Some people, it doesn't work, you know, like. When Nicki Minaj says something homophobic on her album, I get annoyed, and then I'm sort of like, all right, I'll still listen to Chun-Li, whatever, you know? But for people like this, or like Kanye West, you know, it's like just this sort of whole allure, this whole vibe that I get from them, it's just like, it grosses me out. I can't even watch Matchpoint, you know, or Blue Jasmine, you know, the the films of his I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love Woody Allen movies that much because I'm not a straight male at NYU. Um, <laughs> but you would have done just yeah. fine at Tish. I don't. I mean, there's nothing. The thing is, I there's. Tish. I know. <laughs> there's nothing to like come out of this. Like, I don't think that people are going to be like, oh. Well, now let's be in his movies again. Like, I think you've had a lot of people that are like, yikes. And they've like, (laughs) you know, and they uh, they're like, I wish I hadn't done that. Here's the money back. Whatever. That man is old as hell. He needs to just stay home. It's over. It's over for you. And I don't think that this like dumb magazine profile. I don't know what you think this is going to achieve. For either of you. We're still, we're still not so going to watch. He's so old, he's going to run for president now. Because <laughs> that's what they do, apparently. Oh, I know. We're not going to watch Wonder Wheel. Sorry, it's over. <laughs> Go away, Kate Winslet. <laughs> when we're back, keep it. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. 
as always, it's Keep It, Kara. Mm. What are you saying Keep It to this week? Oh, God. I'm saying Keep It to Sean Penn. And it pains me to even say those words out loud. That talking cigar. Sean Penn. Sean Penn uh, was giving an interview for something he's doing about something, whatever. And he was asked about Me Too. And he said, quote, This is a movement that was, you know, largely uh, shouldered by a kind of uh, receptacle of the salacious. Okay. When he was asked to explain what the fuck that means, he said, Well, we don't know what's a fact. In many of the cases, salacious is as soon as you you call something a movement that is really a, a series of many individual accusers, victims, uh, accusations, many, some of which are unfounded. And the spirit of much of what has been the Me Too movement is to divide men and women. That is not what the fuck that word means. First of all, Sean Penn. And he's out here. He looks like a boot that was walking through a storm, stepped on his face, and then his face became the boot. That's what he looks <laughs> Which like. Which happens all the time. And he just like, a, a man who we know has more likely than not abused women because whatever, it's we have to say he's he's real litigious. Allegedly. So we'll say allegedly. But like, is also a noted violent person. So when I see a violent man, it's... I'm gonna assume that at some point they were violent towards. A How woman. much paparazzi has he attacked? Exactly, this week? exactly. But he's just out here talking. We don't need him talking. And what I really want to say, keep it to, is I got an email in my inbox, and it said from Sean Penn because he is host. <laughs> and I was like, the hell is this? He found us. And then it was he's hosting a fundraiser with Randy Bryce, who is um, who I really support, which is why I got the email. Who is running to replace um, Paul Ryan's house seat? And I'm just really, I don't love that. He's hosting a fundraiser with like Chelsea Handler and Bradley Whitford and whatever. But I just, I thought Sean Penn, I assumed, I didn't think we were done with him. But you sort of thought with like the me too of it all, the smart thing to do would be to just shut the hell up. And, um, and I he thought he was still crawling that. through the jungle trying to interview Che Guevara or something. Right? He's wasn't he like still in Haiti, not being helpful? Like I don't know what I don't know what he what he's been doing. I don't know why he came back. And also the thing that was most irritating, like even asking, I think he was on the Today Show, and and I think Natalie Morales was interviewing him. Like, why are you even asking them? Why are you even asking him about Me Too? You know what his answer is going to be. You know that he's he's defended Charlie Rose. He's defended Louis C.K. You know he's not going to say something interesting or helpful or insightful. You He said exactly what you knew he would say. And, and it doesn't fucking help anything. And it's not interesting. And it doesn't help the actual women who continue to suffer from men like him. And also, I mean, he's a pretentious scarecrow. And also, when you're talking <laughs> about abuse, remember- Watch you can, out, Batman. That's what I'm saying. When you're talking about abuse, you can ask anybody but Sean Penn. I mean, Any, just- Yeah, yeah. Why, you're asking Sean Penn what he thinks about a movement that is targeting abusers. That Does that seem, does that seem like the way to go? Ask Brandy about driving. Also, oh. <laughs> precisely. No, and also, by the way, recently he released a book that was- the worst written thing of all time. Yes. I I can't even quote it. It's so crazy. The amount of adjectives per line in this book, it is some straight up Seussical shit. (laughs) He also said that he talks with women from all walks of life and they're not down with this Me Too thing. And I would like literally one of them one <laughs> raise your hand come up to the stage girl and let us know because I don't believe that shit for a second alright Lewis 
Lay it on me. What's your keep it? Um, also, Mystic River sucks. So take that, Sean Penn. I no. actually, I actually <laughs> like Mystic River. I gotta say, it was weird. I also went. Is to, my daughter in there? I I I went to Tufts <laughs> and like literally my first week of college. I remember this guy was like, "Oh, I just went on a jog near Mystic River," and I remember thinking, "Have you seen the movie? You can't go jogging there." <laughs> we were really close to it, and I was like, "No one had seen the movie," and I was like. Everyone was like talking about Mr. Griver as like a place to go running. I was like, you're all going to die. And Sean Penn is going to have like 30 cops he's fighting to, to find your body. Um, but <laughs> no I, shade, I didn't hate that movie. <laughs> no shade to Marsha Gay Harden, of course. Um, and Emmy Rossum. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. My keep it is to Apple events. Apple events are the world's largest meetings that could have been an email. <laughs> I have to sit there and watch them. And weirdly, they are presented as like some sort of sweepstakes where we are finding out the wonderful prizes that will be lavished upon (laughs) us. It is the opposite of that. It is this, you get this feeling of dread like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to be paying for. You're sitting there watching a spindly man telling you you're going to go broke and it's going to be because the screen is a little bit bigger. Tim Cook is going to take Keep It off of Apple Podcasts. I (laughs) I also, Louis, I like when you said you have to sit there and watch because you don't have have to. No, but, stream it. No, you, but, can turn your, you can turn your computer off. He, he walks up like P.T. Barnum with his arms outstretched. <laughs> and he's like, welcome to the wonderful world of your broke. <laughs> and you sit there and find out why you're broke. And you know what? I fucking ordered that phone like two days later. Yes. Like, you think I'm not holding an yes, iPhone? You think I did my an... pre-order like two days later. I was like, Which damn one did you it. Get? I got the X. Ma- I got the most expensive yes. one because I am I got a the, slave to capitalism. I got the max. I got the like <sighs> 500 gigabytes. I got it in gold. I I I didn't get gold, but I I that that's the worst part of it though, because you are watching it and you're like, what the what are they gonna, what could they possibly be showing right. us now? Another phone, and then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, I guess I have to pay twelve hundred dollars now, right, for a cell phone, and I and I knew I was gonna do it. No, you know? you, you you threw the mo- money to the ground, yeah. just like there's a stack of money in front of you and it's your own. Um, no, I mean again, this is not like a slam on the product. Obviously, I own all this shit, but it's just the funniest kind of trick like this man's doing a PowerPoint presentation about how he owns you. I think it was also probably more exciting when it was like Steve Jobs and they were literally like here's an iPhone. We've never heard of iPhones before. Right. Here's a crazy thing. There's a computer in your hand. Yeah, that, it like, was new technology. It was like really new. Now it's just like is the camera better? Because you know I'm going to buy it anyway. <laughs> I don't need the like song and dance of this. Like unless they've invented a whole new type of thing. Like not just... It, not a watch, not a phone, not a laptop. I need a whole new type of thing. Right. It's also a helmet. Yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Then, I sure. I think I want to cop that Hermes watch, too. Do you? Yeah. I, I don't understand Just call me Long because I'm in a money pit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The movie's funny. <laughs> Do we swap bodies today? Yeah. yeah. I know. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, my keep it is for, unless you have more to say about Apple. No, I just, they own me. Good work. (laughs) My keep it is in two part to Brian Singer and also to The Hollywood Reporter. Brian Singer is in talks to direct Red Sonia for Millennium, whatever that is. I don't know what any of that is. Um, Red Sonia is a comic book series um it's very sort of like conan the barbarian and um (laughs) (laughs) i mean if if you've seen the original red sonia with brigitte nielsen that is oh i I, I, she's fun yeah um that movie is 
nonsense, but moving yeah. on. So Millennium is looking to cash in, you know, on the sort of Wonder Woman-ness of it all because they think that hiring this alleged um, person who molests or rapes young men, allegedly. He's a magnanimous party um, host. To do this is what's going to lure people in. Like Wonder Woman had a female director. Is the lead of woman in, the, in this yes. red... Red, Red Saturn, Sonia. Yes. Sonia, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at least he won't assault her. Also, the story that came out in The Hollywood Reporter is basically PR for Brian Singer. It talks about how none of the allegations were proved, and it talks about how Millennium has a lot of buzz going around the office and out of the office about this movie and about how it can be Brian Singer's big comeback. And I'm like, getting away from the allegations, the sexual ones, he was fired off of that Queen biopic because he wasn't coming to work <laughs> and it was chaos on set. So what makes you think that he's not going to do it on this movie? It's just nonsense. He was fired by Fox and here we are not even a year later and it's like he's in talks for this big comeback. You know what movie also sucks? The Usual Suspects. I hate that fucking movie. It's just here's a whole movie and then it didn't matter. You listen up, mister. <laughs> Wow. I don't like that movie either. It sucks. <laughs> it's like it's like a twist that you write when you're uh, uh, in fourth grade, and it was all fake. Him and Kevin Spacey burn that fucking movie. <laughs> oh, I That's forgot what I'm about saying. Kevin Spacey. Who else is in it? Uh, 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 men. Yeah, fuck it. Burn the Usual Suspects. Also, we don't need having, it. Why are it's? I guess from what I can gather from um, having learned about the entire concept of this two minutes ago. It's about like a lady, like a powerful lady. Yeah. We don't want men ever telling those. Like you don't need a dude. In particular right now, like if we got to a place in the world where like all of our stories were being told evenly and fairly by whoever, you know, was most qualified to tell them, then like sure, have a straight person direct a movie about gay people. Have a man direct a movie about a powerful woman. We ain't there yet, guys. (laughs) Let the people who it's about tell those stories. Except for Paul Feig. Um, <laughs> I didn't love that last movie, though. You can read my review of A Simple Favor in time. Except I for Ang Lee. He can direct anything. He sure can. He can, yeah, he can direct anything. Uh, Sense and Sensibility, you give us Brokeback. Life of Pi. Yeah, Ang Lee, you can, you can do whatever you want. You You're to, the only you, one. You have to prove yourself. I, I'm seeing A Simple Favor this week. Um, it's cute. You know I love Blake Lively. She is and awesome Henry in Golding. And Henry Golding. He's mm-hmm. fine. And He's Anna, gorgeous. And Anna Kendrick's there. No, I, also she's she's good, but she's played this role thirty times. Yeah. You're really coming. You're saying Blake Lively has more charm than Anna Kendrick. She gets she the funny off a shark. No, but in like as an actor, she yeah. get, she gets funny lines in this one. I mean, like I don't I didn't watch Gossip Girl. Was she hilarious? I will in that? always. Was she hilarious in Gossip Girl? No, she was not. I will always she was ride not. for Serena Vanderwood's set. Was she was she like popping off the screen in she, Gossip Girl? She was she was she, popping she off the beautiful. screen. She looked beautiful. She thought she killed a man who really just overdosed in bed with her. She uh, <laughs> was in a car crash with a potential senator, and he left her there in the car to make it seem like she. Oh. Oh, did it. goodness. That happens all the time. Serena a- Anna, was that girl, bitch. Anna, girl, you do your thing. <laughs> Anna, go ahead, girl. Don't listen to them. Go sing cups again. <laughs> also, by the way, in that movie, she, like, drinks a lot of gin, and all the gin is the Ryan Reynolds gin. I was, he I has discovered. a gin? Is that, like, he said, yeah, don't, isn't that what he sells? He makes gin. If it's not George Clooney and Brad Pitt liquor, I don't want it. 
What about uh, you, you don't you don't like Nikki's uh, mixed moscato? What, what I'm sipping in the club, mixed mix <laughs> moscato. <laughs> I'm not paying fifteen dollars yeah. for juice. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Mixed Moscato takes like a Capri Sun. <laughs> uh, I think we're done here today. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, send us some free gin. I love your wife's um, uncanny ability to look at the camera. I feel like gin is something you get obsessed with when you're like 37. Is that going to happen to us? I drink gin when I just first turned 21. Oh, really? And I drink it a lot, and it now the s- smell of it makes me nauseous. That's how I feel about rum. Yeah. I love a gin and tonic, you know, when I um, pop over to London town. <laughs> that is maybe the worst that you've ever done. That sounded like someone disguising their voice on the phone because they were trying that, to scare that me. That sounds like we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a British person told me my accent was lovely last night. It may or not have been Matt Smith from The Crown. Probably not, though. Actors are famous liars. <laughs> That's our show for the week. We'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but you'll listen to us. Let's keep it. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best – 